This is Kim Balorchi, and you're listening to Boldly Stated. Today, I am so, so excited to have Maddie Ranieri joining me. Maddie is the social community manager at Cannonball Agency. She manages accounts from St. Louis Made Movement to Lions Choice to the new soccer team, STL City SC. So Maddie, I am really excited to hear from you tonight. I know you're going to give us a lot of insight on what we should be believing based on what we're seeing on social media versus what we shouldn't and how to tell the difference. Yay. I am so excited to be here. I, I feel like this is my uh, this is my hill to die on. I have so much to say about this entire topic. I could talk for days. <laughs> awesome. Well, I cannot, I cannot wait to hear because this is something, honestly, I struggle with. Um, you know, I've had this love-hate relationship with social media, definitely much more hate than love, because it feels like there's so much misinformation that gets just circulated constantly. And while I will sometimes take the time to look at sources, I feel like there isn't always time to do that. And I feel like a lot of people don't, and they just forward stuff on based on whether it came from someone they like or whether it's an opinion that they agree with. One of the biggest things that I notice when getting into social media is that we get ourselves really locked into a position frequently where you're just basically screaming into your own void and you are constantly being hit by things that, you know, are likely being shared by people that think the same way as you. They're being shared by news sources that are, you know, the same political affiliation as you are. And you kind of work yourself into a corner where you're only seeing what you want to see, which, you know, in essence is pretty much what social media is all about. But when you get to that point, it creates a lot of problems in the way that you are able to interact with people outside of that content bubble. Um, It creates problems in the way that you are able to consume news and consume information that is factual. And it really limits your perspective. And to me, one of the most important things is a extremely diverse perspective on social media. If the expectations of what social media actually is were a little bit clearer, because I think people use it for different reasons. So Take me, for example, if I go on there because I really want to have a conversation and I want to explore different views, but I'm trying to talk to people who literally love their bubble. They love their bubble. They don't want anything to pierce their bubble. We have completely different agendas. And so it's not going to be a great space for us. It feels like maybe that's what's happening is that people are coming at it from different perspectives. So I wonder if like we should have this profile thing like people do on dating websites where you put in your information and and what you want to use it for and you know you go at it that way I mean I'm kind of joking but seriously don't you think that we could be clearer about what our intentions are and how we want to use social media absolutely but I don't think that people understand boundaries on social media you know I see it every single day on all of my accounts with, you, know, you have people that are just going on there trolling, saying, I hate this name of this team, or St. Louis is the worst city ever, hate like roast beef from Lion's Choice. Like it's nonstop that you're seeing that kind of commentary from people. And I think that if you're not explicitly disclaiming, and even when you are on posts, at, you know, in your own social space that are 
potentially controversial, which is essentially anything these days, you kind of open yourself up to people who just want to spit into your space. Like there's just people just say whatever. And it's like, you know, I wouldn't come up to you in person and be like, hey, Kim, you suck. But it's like, People feel completely confident to do stuff like that. And I mean, family members are confident with behaving like that on social media. Close friends are confident with that behavior on social media. And it's like, no, it's like, you kind of have to take back at that point. Yeah. You know, there's a fine line between wanting to have a conversation and just wanting to be right, which is what I think happens very often on social media. And I think that kind of has created the fake news dilemma. Yeah. So let's talk about that because, um, I mean, talk about a big can of worms. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, there used to be back in the dark ages, this really clear distinction between fact and opinion. And I would say there was a healthy respect for that. So my opinion is my opinion. And I will say, like, this is what I think, but I know that that's my opinion. And I would never say it's a fact unless it is verifiable, right? And so we could agree on what was a fact most of the time. And everything that wasn't actually a fact was opinion. And so, yeah, people would disagree and have differences of opinion, but it it was clear that's what we were talking about. We live in a time right now where we literally have differences of fact and anything that someone doesn't like is termed fake news or a false fact or an alternate fact or some other term. And I mean, maybe I'm missing it, but I still think a fact is a fact and it's something that should be able to be verified. Either tell me what I'm missing or help me understand what the hell's going on. Fake news is it's a huge topic to get into. Anybody can call themselves a journalist these days. I mean, you can get on and say, oh, well, you know, because I have a Twitter account and I know how to take pictures, I'm a journalist. And people don't realize what sort of standards actual journalists hold themselves to, or I mean, what they should be holding themselves to. I, I, Loathe to say that because there's definitely some shady journalists out there. Um, But when you're not able to look to traditionally reputable sources and you're finding all of this information that fits your narrative from another source, then why would you be trusting of the traditionally reputable sources? Like, it just kind of lends itself for those kind of things to be happening. One of the things, you know, I hear you talking about is sort of the integrity of journalists. And, you know, in every profession that there is, there's always going to be people who lack integrity. I mean, I'm a lawyer and there are plenty of asshole lawyers, right? There, you know, we have the same issue with doctors. We have the same issue with, you name it. There's there's always going to be a group of people who don't uphold the standard that we would like to believe we all should have. But... Currently, with the journalism in the United States, there are, there are deliberate misrepresentations happening in pretty widely watched media. And mm-hmm. as a journalism major, right, as somebody who um, takes this obligation really seriously, what do you have to say about that? I mean, do you think that, that journalists and the media have an obligation to tell the truth? 
Absolutely. I truthfully think it is appalling the way that some journalists behave. I mean, truthfully, like there is no, there's no other way for me to wrap my mind around that kind of behavior, but it's unfortunate. But the things that create clicks are what's going to continue boosting the ratings for that station. That's what's going to keep bringing in ad money for that station or that, you know, publisher, whatever, what have you. And it's like, there's no incentive anymore to tell the truth beyond a commitment to wanting to tell the truth. And when there's no incentive, there's no reason for you to tell the truth. Like you could put anything on the internet and it goes. And I think the things that are the most sensational are always the things that are going to get the most clicks and the most comments and the most likes and the most shares and views. And so if you're saying radical things on a broadcast network and you're getting 15 more people to tune in, hell, if you're even getting one more person to tune in because you're you know, saying something that appears appeals to their content bubble, I mean, you're winning already. And so, yeah, like I said, there's not really an incentive to tell the truth. So how do we know where the truth lies? When we're on social media and people are sharing articles and they're sharing posts and, you know, people have that tendency to forward it on with a hell yes, how do we know? I would say a good rule in most articles is that they should have at least three different sources that are an expert or somebody that is in the situation. I would say also generally as a rule, if it seems hyper-partisan, then it's probably something you shouldn't be consuming. And that's on both sides of the political spectrum. I mean, there are so many things that I see on a day-to-day basis that are just sensationalism. But going even deeper than that, when it comes to consuming any any sort of news, there's about three or three, three or four things that I would say to look for. Look for the date when it was published, because a lot of times things get recirculated that are you know, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, 10 years old. Things get recirculated all of the time that are not relevant anymore. And, you know, maybe it might contain relevant information to that time, but if you're reading something that's more than two or three years old and you're not seeking out that information like on a niche topic, it's probably just something that got dragged back up again to create controversy. Second, I would always, always, always check the source that it's coming from. Um, most of the time, you can do a quick Google search on the source, which I know is sometimes too much. So there's actually a really helpful Google Chrome um, extension that I have installed on my laptop that's called Bias Finder. So Bias Finder, when you go to any link, any website, well, I mean, aside from like, you know, commercial websites for shopping and stuff like that, it'll bring up that website's bias. And all of these websites that are on Bias Finder are being independently reviewed by people in that audience. Something like that makes it easier so that when you're just going through news and you're just looking for whatever you can see right up there in a little corner, what its bias is. That's awesome. Yeah. That's one of my favorite tools. Another thing too, is just 
don't don't go and share like random Facebook posts that have been like copy and pasted that you know claim to contain some sort of insider info because like uh-huh. 90% of the time it, it's not true. And like that's one of the things that I see happening the most is that somebody publishes something on Facebook that claims to be really credible and you know they have all the information they have all this they have all that and then there's no source to back it up the only time i would ever actually take a facebook post and consider resharing it as something that might contain fact is if it has like five to six different sources listed at the bottom truthfully mm-hmm. because if it doesn't contain any sources if it contains typically incendiary information and rhetoric then i would say 9 times out of 10 it's just it's just BS. I want to like bold that and put exclamation points and scream that from the rafters <laughs> because I feel like everybody needs to hear that. Um, if I could loop it, I would. I think that is such an important point. I think people are so inclined to share things that come from people they love or people they trust or people that they care about or even just people they like. And they're like, oh, well, if this person says it's true, it must be true. Mm-hmm. And then they pass it on and it goes viral because everybody's doing that without one single person checking to see yeah. if it is actually true or if there is actually a source. And then five days later, after it has 5 million views, it comes out that the, the whole entire thing is false. It's, it's, it is incredibly damaging, not only to our personal relationships, but to society and democracy as a whole. We're seeing these things and we're thinking, oh, you know, I, I saw this from somebody that I loved and, you know, or, or not, it doesn't even have to be somebody that you like. It just could be simply somebody that you agree with. Yep. And, you know, oh, I see something from someone that I agree with. Uh, I read, you know, two or three lines, looks like it might check out, definitely looks like it fits my narrative, so I'm going to share it. I saw a post that's been going around on Facebook recently that was claiming um, Brianna there was not an EMT at the time of her death. So I was like, you know what, I'm going to fact check this. And I went and I did a really quick Google search and it came up with a bunch of articles that are from Louisville, Kentucky with reporters that are on the ground. It was, you know, people that have direct access to that information. And I'm like, I'm looking at this post and I'm thinking, this is so like violent, truthfully, to, you know, make these assumptions and make these assertions about things that you've never even bothered to fact checked. And I mean, I will also say this again, this happens on both sides of the political spectrum. You know, journalism is a very, very noble profession. And I don't know that the democracy works without our, without our journalists. I really don't. I agree. Yeah. And, and I don't know that people appreciate that or the importance of, you know, facts or the importance of making sure you have credible information. But as somebody who's, you know, in the trenches every day, um, I can only imagine the kinds of things that you're, that you're seeing. I will say that I do pride myself on being incredibly diligent when it comes to consuming information that I use to form my opinions. And it's exhausting to constantly be hit with, you know, people who just don't. And 
I mean, there's not really also an incentive either to be, you know, noble in your opinion or diligent in the way that you consume information. But I think for me personally, I would feel guilty knowing that I purposely spread misinformation as part of a way to make myself feel more comfortable Mm. and as a way to continue perpetuating this comfort in my bubble of the way that I think. Well, you know what? I will tell you, your generation gives me so much hope because my students understand how to find credible sources and how to check and you know, to look at the media chart and to see where the data comes from and to pay attention to what is a credible source, what has bias, what doesn't, and to take the time to see where the information is coming from before it gets repeated or before it gets um, cited, you know, for something. I feel like people do develop this awareness and, and even a pride in knowing what they're talking about. And mm-hmm. so I see that with with you and with your peers. And that makes me so incredibly excited because I don't think we can continue the way that we're going. And I'm, I'm grateful for people like you who have such a strong, powerful voice and just level-headed presence and so freaking brave to say it like it is and to tell the truth and, and to stand up for what is right. And I hope that people will continue to follow your example in being noble in their words, because it does really, really matter. This is Kim Balorchi, and you've been listening to Boldly Stated. Until next time.